and welcome to another episode of Wealth Planning Illuminated. I'm your host, Teresa Marks, a senior wealth strategist at CIBC Private Wealth in the U.S. I am joined today by my colleague, Beth Mayfield, also a senior wealth strategist at CIBC Private Wealth. Today, Beth and I will take a look at different ways that you might be able to help support another's education, whether it's for a child, a grandchild, a niece, a nephew, or someone else that's important to you. We'll look at different strategies that could help you fund that education. And with that, let's go ahead and get started. So a lot of our clients often look to pay education expenses for their kids or their grandkids, and but they don't want to use their lifetime gift tax exemption. They don't want to use that, that amount to, to pay for education. So often we're looking for ways to help them figure out how do I you know, pay those expenses without incurring any gift tax or without using my exemption. So what are some options that clients could consider to help pay those education expenses? Yeah, one of the options we see probably the most common is just paying the education expenses directly. If you actually pay the education expenses directly to the educational institution, it does not use your lifetime exemption, and it also doesn't use your annual exclusion, which is which is really a huge benefit. And there's some there's some great additional benefits to that in the sense of it's an, it's an unlimited amount. You can pay as much tuition as you want directly to the educational institution. You can use it for any type of education from kindergarten through graduate mm-hmm. school, which is great. And you can either pay it on an annual basis or you can actually prepay those education costs. So that's something that a lot of clients really like to do. And that's limited to tuition. So things like room and board or books, that's not something that's that's, that's correct. It's just limited to, to, to tuition. So a lot of times what you'll see is clients will actually pair that they will, you know, they'll do those those direct tuition costs mm-hmm. directly to the educational institutions, but then they'll pair that with using their annual exclusion gifts, which is another great option. If you wanted to use the annual exclusion, um, you could use that to maybe pay or pay for room and board or books. So the annual exclusion. So that is something separate from the lifetime exemption amount. It is. That's that's over and above. So let's say you could, you know, you could pay the tuition directly to the educational institution, but then you could use that annual exclusion, which for 2019, it's $15,000 per person that you can do annually. For a married couple, it's $30,000. So you can, you know, you can do a lot with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there are different options. You can use, you know, the ways you can use that annual exclusion. Mm-hmm. And so what are some of those options? Yes, yeah, so probably the one you, you see the most is just the Section 529 plans. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a that's a great option for education. Um, you can put money into the 529 plan, and as long as it's withdrawn for qualified education expenses, it's a ta- it's tax free, and that's great. And with 529 plans, those qualified education expenses can include the room and board and the books. So that's a little that. broader. So it's a little broader. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times you'll see clients pairing those direct payments of the tuition costs mm-hmm. along with 529 plans to pay for those extras. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with 529 plans, the other some other great benefits to those is that you can actually take $10,000 a year from the 529 plan to pay for um, kindergarten through 12th grade. So it can be used for mm-hmm. education costs that are not just college costs which, you know, a lot of people like that if they have grandkids that are in private schools, mm-hmm. which is good. And the, um, the IRS also allows you to sort of prepay those mm-hmm. 529 plans, which is great. So basically what you can do is you can pay up to five years of annual exclusion gifts. So 
for, you know, that'd be $75,000 for an individual taxpayer or $150,000 for a married couple. That's a lot of money that you can put into a 529 plan in one year Mm -hmm. um, and the IRS will treat it as gifts made over five years, but it can really jumpstart those 529 plans. Oh, and the beauty of the 529 plan too is that it grows income tax-free, right? So you put it in and then it's growing income tax-free. So that gives a little added benefit to that account and ultimately to that beneficiary. So it's a great option. So what are some other ways you can use your annual exclusion aside from 529 plans? Yeah, you also see a lot of the... the, um, UTMA accounts, the custodial mm-hmm. accounts. So basically with those is, you know, you would you would put money into a into a custodial account, a uniform transfer to minor account, and the custodian would hold it for the benefit of the minor. And it's great. I mean, the custodian can use it really for anything that the they think the minor would need, mm-hmm. um, education being one of those. And it, it works really well. Now, one drawback to those accounts that some people think is that once the minor does reach the statutory age of majority in their state, typically 18 to 21, the account does terminate and has to be distributed. So, you know, to that minor, or to that, to that to the minor. new adult. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So that's just something to consider. You don't want to, a lot of people, you don't want to overfund those accounts because if that is a concern that when the, when the child does reach 18, you know, that statutory age, whether it's 18 to 21, um, that that money is going to be distributed to them. Yeah. And then what about trusts? I know some people use, you know, use their annual exclusion to fund trusts. You know, what type of trust do you typically see for education? Yeah, for education, typically there are two main trusts that we see with those. And the first one is what's called a 2503C trust. Mm-hmm. And with those, you, you can fund the trust um, with money. You can put whatever provisions and terms in there you want. But once again, with those trusts at the age of 21, it's it's got to be the, the minor has to have a withdrawal right of the money in that mm-hmm. trust. So that that can be a concern if they think that that child is going to exercise that withdrawal right. Um, but a longer term um, solution is just a, a typical crummy trust. A grantor could actually create a trust for you know the beneficiary. They could use the money for the education or for whatever reasons that they wanted for that for that child. Now they would have to do what we call crummy withdrawal rights in order for it to qualify for the annual exclusion. When they make the gifts to the trust, the beneficiary is going to have withdrawal rights mm-hmm. over the gifts that are made. But if they don't take those withdrawal rights, then basically that money can stay in that trust for as long as they they specify in the trust document, which is a huge benefit. And people really like that. So a lot of different op- options with, so, with that annual exclusion. There's so many options to use that. Yes. And then, so are there any other things that you've seen, I mean, other than the direct tuition payments or using annual exclusion, any other things that you've seen other clients use? Well, one, you know, one final option is probably an option we don't see as often. Mm-hmm. You could have a situation where they, you could lend money to your, mm-hmm. to, a, to a child, um, to actually make the tuition payments. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the benefit there is that you could do it at a rate that is below what they would probably get at a commercial rate at a, at a bank, yeah. which so would be... Yeah. So but, instead of going to the federal government or to a private institution yes. to borrow that money, yes. they'd be borrowing it from yes. the bank of grandma, grandma and grandpa. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Yeah. And you probably don't see this as often, mm-hmm. but, you know, you might see it in an equalization situation. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have two children, one has... You, know, you have two grandchildren by one and four with the other child, and you're, you're trying to even out the payments of education expenses. So maybe you pay for two of the grandchildren's education from each, mm-hmm. for each child, and then the other two, maybe you do, you do a loan. 
like like the lower yeah, interest rate. Right? Yeah, so lower interest, so it's yeah. still helping them yes. offset some of the costs and, and yeah. whatnot, but not fully funding it like in the other Correct. situations. So there really, there's so many options out there for funding education. But I think the one of the most important things for clients to remember is that if you are in a situation where your children are really sort of depending on you to pay their their children's education, if that's just become, you know, sort of an expectation that mm-hmm. they've built into their their annual cash flow, the client really needs to make sure that they have some provisions in their estate planning Great documents yeah. to to make sure that those education payments can continue if something should happen to mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. So I, so I think, you know, what we're hearing is that clients have a lot of options and that different options might be right depending on different circumstances, but it's really important to explore all of them and see what works best for them, whether it's the direct tuition payments or using annual exclusion gifts and possibly even lending money. Absolutely. There's no right or wrong. It just depends on what's best for that client and their family. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Wealth Planning Illuminated. We hope you found this topic interesting and that you will continue to explore the variety of wealth planning topics available to you on this channel. Thank you and have a great day. CIBC Private Wealth Management includes CIBC National Trust Company, CIBC Delaware Trust Company, CIBC Private Wealth Advisors Incorporated, all of which are wholly owned subsidiaries of CIBC Private Wealth Group, LLC, and the private banking division of CIBC Bank USA. All of these entities are wholly owned subsidiaries of Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce. This document is intended for informational purposes only, and the material presented should not be construed as an offer or recommendation to buy or sell any security. Concepts expressed are current as of the date of this publication only may change without notice. Such concepts are the opinions of our investment professionals, many of whom are chartered financial analysts, charter holders, or certified financial planner professionals. Certified Financial Planner Board of Standards Incorporated owns the certification marks CFP and Certified Financial Planner in the U.S. There is no guarantee that these views will come to pass. Past performance does not guarantee future comparable results. The tax information contained herein is general and for informational purposes only. CIBC Private Wealth Management does not provide legal or tax advice, and the information contained herein should only be used in consultation with your legal, accounting, and tax advisors. To the extent that information contained herein is derived from third-party sources, although we believe the sources to be reliable, we cannot guarantee their accuracy. The CIBC logo is a registered trademark of CIBC used under license. Investment products are not FDIC insured, may lose value, and are not bank guaranteed.